Let's go. Let's go. Oh, no. Do you want to? I'll let you. I'll let you. I'm excited and I feel relaxed and I'm ready to party. I'm so sorry. You don't need to do that. You don't need to apologize. It's a fucked up female habit. You don't need to be sorry for anything ever. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I don't have rage issues! I have nothing to prove to you. When I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better. I say when it comes to stardom and Lawrence, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello and welcome to Citizen Dame. The podcast where we talk all about the greatest actor of our generation. <laughs> Whose generation? Even Whose I generation? Say that with a <laughs> <laughs> I am Karen Peterson, joined by Lauren Humphreys Brooks. Hello. It took you a moment to remember my name, didn't it? it? Did not. I was trying to decide if I should put a descriptor in front, and then I couldn't think of one fast enough, so then I just went forward. <laughs> I apologize, but you are amazing, and that's usually how I introduce you. It's true. It's true. It's true. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for you? confirming the reality of, of everything. I'm good. I'm good. I'm on vacation, finally. Yay! Yesterday, I was like, that's it. I'm on vacation. Of course, I'm still getting emails from people, which is what I predicted. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, all right, I'm done. I'm on vacation. Everything's done. Everything's set. Like, And then I got like 15 emails from different people. I was just like... Do you do an out of office message? I, I usually do, although my the problem with my out of office message is because I get a lot of stuff from like services. Mm, yeah. Um, so then when I go back in, I have like in my sent mail is just like lists of <laughs> out of office responses. And I'm like, that's not what I want. But I've I've all of my clients, my regular clients, et cetera, they know that I'm I'm on vacation. And I'm just like, I'm not responding until. Jan or july 15th that's it like that's not doing it yep yep yeah i'm officially on vacation too it felt really good at work i set my out of office but my personal email i don't mm -hmm. but um yeah i had to work through thursday because we're off on fridays right now for the summer um but we work four tens so that's why um but thursday uh it felt so good to turn that on and leave and know that i don't have to come back until july is more than halfway over because i am off for with with fourth of july holiday and everything working out the way that it did i end up with 19 days off wow yeah so it was just like this is awesome <laughs> <laughs> and um and then it's crazy too because my boss is going on vacation the second half of july and we overlap by a day so I'm not going to see her for the entire month. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, um, so let's see. Well, just in general, things are good. What do you do? You have plans for your vacation? Yes. Yeah, so I'm going. I'm going to a good friend's wedding um, at the end of next week, which I'm really looking forward to. That'll be fun. It's one of those I. I like I like going to the wedding. I hate the preparation for going to the wedding, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but it, it's going to be a lot of fun and like hopefully get get to see some people that I haven't seen in quite a while because of COVID and people moving locations and stuff like that. Otherwise, I'm just going to hang out. I'm like really looking forward to you know watching a bunch of the Technicolor film noir on um, Criterion Channel this month. That sounds so fun. 
Like I am really, and I'm probably get sick of that within like a couple of days, but for those couple of days, I'm going to be like, this is perfect. This is what I want to do forever. Yeah. That, <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. Yes. Um, what about you, Karen? Uh, I and my mom are traveling to France. I'm going to France, y'all. <laughs> and, um, Must be nice. <laughs> it is. And uh, I'm very excited. My mom has not been to Paris, so um, so I'm really excited to take her. That's going to be where we spend most of our time, although we're talking about renting a car and doing a little excursion out to Normandy and going to Mont Saint-Michel, because I've never done that, and I really want to. So, uh, yeah. That's but cool. we're, we're going to just do all the things. We're going to go to the Louvre and to, obviously, the Eiffel Tower and... Uh, Versailles. We're actually also, because um, we're big Disney nerds, we're going to go to Disneyland Paris for a couple of nights too. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's because um, we're going to be there during Bastille Day. And, oh, cool. Yeah. And like, that's not our national holiday and everything's closed for, you know, for it, like all the Paris stuff <laughs> because it's it's a holiday so but disneyland is wide open so i was like well let's spend bastille day at disneyland instead so that's what we're gonna do <laughs> just as the revolutionaries intended exactly Definitely. <laughs> thanks for helping us win our freedom i'm not gonna celebrate yours <laughs> <laughs> which is not true but anyway no last time i was in uh paris i was with a couple of friends and we had these grand plans for Bastille Day, and they busted because we were like, "Oh, we'll go up to Sacré Coeur and see the fireworks from there," except for that you can't see really any fireworks from Sacré Coeur, so that didn't work out. So now I'm like, "Eh, screw it." <laughs> I tried before. Anyway, so yeah, that's what I'm gonna be doing. So I am very excited. We leave Tuesday morning as long as Delta doesn't cancel her flight. <laughs> And, uh, I was going to say, you have not picked the best time to travel. Uh, it seemed like a good idea when I booked the flights, but, you know. I mean, at least it's going to be, a it'll be after the holiday, at least. So you're you're less likely, I guess. I, I guess that the real crunch is coming this weekend because everyone's yeah. trying to get in and out for, um, for July 4th. Yeah, so we're going to be... We're on the first flight out uh, Tuesday morning, which is good. The thing I am a little concerned about is we have a layover at JFK. But God bless you. I know. Have but... fun. You, you have a good time with that. Like... Well, we'll, uh, well, maybe we'll be hanging out in New York. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, because if they, if they end up canceling our flight, because that's an overnight flight into Paris, and mm -hmm. we're supposed to arrive so early that well, the the day that we arrive in Paris is going to be a really, really long day. So it was just like, I, you know, if they pushed back our flight, I wouldn't be sad because then we could just go into the city and hang out for a bit and then come back. But mm -hmm. I, I don't tend to have that much luck with layovers. So we'll see what happens <laughs> anyway. Um, but what I will be doing a lot of on my flight is watching Tom Cruise movies. I'm Which shocked. What we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> so after all of this after talking about everything you're gonna watch more tom cruise movies yes because i can never get enough he's had 46 <laughs> movies and uh, only like two of them are not good so and uh we will talk about those too um anyway 
so we today i am so excited because i've wanted to do this episode since we started the show five years ago (laughs) (laughs) we've gotten to do like two hitchcock episodes but i was just like you know what we'll save we'll save the cruise for a very special occasion and that special occasion is here because Mr. Thomas Cruz Maypother the Fourth turns sixty years old this weekend. My God, does not look like he's sixty. He it's really doesn't. Crazy. In fact, I was at the screening for Top Gun Maverick back in like May, and there were these two industry people who both know him, and they were um, they were just kind of talking, and there was you know the big picture on the screen of like you know for the movie and stuff. And one of them says to the other, like, how old is he? Is he, like, 50-something? And the other one's like, I'm not sure. And I said, he turns 60 in July. And they both were like, are you kidding? I was like, I know. It's crazy. (laughs) Anyway, yes. uh, He was born not on the 4th of July. He was born on the 3rd of July, 1962. And he is now, by the time you're listening to this, he is 60 years old. And still running in all the movies. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so I wanted to talk today about um, his filmography and his career, and um, there's some topics we don't really need to go into, but um, we're just going to talk about the the careers, uh, the, the movie career of Tom Cruise. So um, I wanted to start with uh, your question, Lauren, actually, because I think that's a good jumping off point. Uh, Lauren asked, Karen, when did you first know that Tom Cruise was the best? What is it that you love about him? Also, why does he run all the time? Uh, so what I love about this question, Lauren, is that you are acknowledging that Tom Cruise is the best by asking <laughs> us, so thank you. And, uh, <laughs> so the actual answer to this is my dad took me and my brother to see Top Gun when I was nine years old. It had just come out. Um, a friend of mine had already told me the whole plot. But um, we went to the air show, and then afterwards we went to see Top Gun. And I was only nine. I did not understand the things that I was feeling, but I just, there was just something about him. And I have been a fan ever since. And I have seen every one of his movies. I've even seen the disputed, is he really in that movie, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, I didn't see it because of him, because I still don't believe that he's actually in it. But anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's, that was, that was kind of where it started. And what I love is that he is like, when you watch his movies, you can tell that he is someone who really cares about the audience experience of watching that movie. And he always gives it his all, even if the story is just kind of, even if the, you know, the movie itself doesn't fully come together that, that, you know, perfectly. He cares about what the audiences are going to see and really puts attention into it. Like, he's, he really is the last, you know, action, last action hero because he is, he is not afraid to let himself, as his characters, get beaten up, take falls, look like he's about to lose. Whereas we have other stars today that, you know, I mean, there was that thing a couple years ago that came out that was like, oh, 
these certain actors have writers in their contracts about how many times they can be hit on screen and they can never look like they're losing a fight and stuff like that. And it's just, he's not like that. And so I, I, that's, that's really what it is for me. That's really why I just, I just love the actor. Um, his personal well, life is a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah. But we, we don't necessarily have to talk about that, but um, I, well, that, it's interesting that you pointed that out because one of the things I've, I've watched a number of Tom Cruise movies this week. Um, most of them that's films so that I, that I have not, that I'd never seen. But one of the things I was thinking about just in, in watching him and these were in like, kind of later career and really early career and kind of the, I, I saw Risky Business for the first time, which is, you know, kind of the biggest, the first film that made him really famous, right? Yeah. Um, and, but one of the things that occurred to me as I was watching them was, was pretty much what you're talking about, this that movie star quality to him, that he's very present in in his films and very like he's he almost feels like a throwback uh in places that you know we don't have these kinds of movie stars anymore in quite the same way that that he isn't like you say he he isn't he's a movie star but he's also not afraid to appear imperfect and and nothing is and some of this is also about the era that kind of he he is acting in and he becomes a star in but um you do get that sense that he's like got that very movie star persona movie star quality but it's it's a it's a real quality he feels like you know this is who he is at some level yeah yeah and it really shows and i like that's why i mean i Yes, I can I can acknowledge that not all of his movies are great. You know, I don't there's a couple that I'm like, eh, I don't really love that one. But there's only one movie I've ever seen that he's done where I don't feel like he's trying 100%. And I think that that really shows a lot. And that is actually uh the Jack Reacher sequel, Jack Reacher Never Go Back, which was interesting because he got a lot of crap when he did the first Jack Reacher because people were like, well, in the book, he's over six feet, blah, blah, blah. It's like, who cares about his height? If he can pull it off, I mean, he he is so good with action. Like, I mean, his, his action choreography always looks just incredible. And uh, so people just were dumb. And then the movie came out and it was like, oh, actually, that is a good movie. But then the sequel came along and the story wasn't good. He just didn't really seem like he was trying all that hard. And it really showed. And so I know a lot of people think, you know, it's The Mummy or Rock of Ages, which are not great either. I, uh, yes, I can acknowledge that. But I personally think that his worst movie is Jack Reacher 2 because of what feels like a lack of effort from him. And so. Let's see that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, well, you mentioned risky business and I would like to talk about risky business for a minute because I wanted to start there with like kind of the movies that made him a star mm-hmm. and his, his very first, his, <laughs> his first year, he, he, uh, he debuted on the big screen in 1981 first with a 45 second or so cameo in, um, in endless love which is available on netflix i do not recommend it (laughs) (laughs) for reasons we've already talked about on this podcast it is through no fault of his own that movie is horrible (laughs) but like i it's one of those movies where i'm like how 
how did this movie get made? I do not understand. It's so bad. Have you ever seen Endless Love? I have not seen Endless Love. I think the first time I know I even knew about it was when you told me and you explained the plot, and I was like, "That what?" Yeah. And and I have to say, the eighties the eighties has some batshit plots, oh, like they really do, and and they they try to sell um they try to sell like romance or romantic comedies or dramas, etc on some really bizarre premises and you're just like i don't know what the thinking behind this was to begin with but now if correct me if i'm wrong though he runs for like his first appearance on screen he's running he sure does it's uh, <laughs> it's actually football practice and he his debut into movies he is running onto the screen <laughs> with a football and he's the one who tells the main character about something that happened when they were kids and he's basically trying to give them an idea to win the girlfriend back and ends up accidentally basically telling the guy to burn the kid's house down so uh it didn't work out so well uh he was not a good influence but it was not on purpose anyway um you really if you just want to see something really crazy just go ahead and watch it it is on netflix I think it might have gone off this week because, you know, they change movies at the beginning of the month. But um, it's, yeah, it's bad. But yes, his very first entry into film was running and it was 45 seconds and it was great. Um, and then that same year, he was in the movie Taps, which is about kids that are at a military academy and it's um it's basically going to be shut down like there's some developers that want to build houses or something or maybe condos um and so it's getting shut down and so they're these kids basically like hold up like they're they're the cadets at the school are trying to stop this from happening they're trying to stop it from getting shut down and it's it's like a major uh, one of those like who's who kind of cast because none of these guys were anybody at the time, but you've got Timothy Hutton, Sean Penn, Tom Cruise. Um, oh gosh, who else was in it? There's, there's a uh, quite a few that you definitely recognize now. Um, Giancarlo Esposito was in it. So it's just kind of this, um, who was the casting director? I gotta look. Um, anyway, so those were his that was his first year. He actually played kind of a crazy, <laughs> crazy guy in that one. Um, but uh, it's one of those where you could really see that early promise of like this, this kid's going places. And then of course he did. Uh, because then he did the movie Losing It, which used to be, I don't know why, but that movie used to be on TV all the time when I was a kid, like in the middle of the afternoon. And it is super not a Saturday afternoon <laughs> movie. It's about these guys that like go down to Tijuana, like um, looking for a good time, you know? So um, not really a Saturday afternoon movie. But and they meet Shelley Long. <laughs> you do meet Shelley Long. It's great. Have you seen Losing It? I have not seen it, but I know of this movie because I, I I think that I feel like it was on Comedy Central, like in the middle of the day for a long time or something like that. <laughs> that it was like one of those films was just like, oh, yeah, that movie, you know, yeah, the, that yeah. it just sort of showed up randomly. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And he actually uh, this was the first time he worked with a couple of the guys that end up being in um, Top Gun. 
So that was just a fun little thing. Rick Rasevich was one of them. And then he does another ensemble movie, which is The Outsiders, based on the novel that a lot of kids still to this day have to read in high school. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize until my nephew had to read it. But talk about your all-time, like, that give that casting director all the awards. Because yeah. this movie had C. Thomas Howell, Matt Dillon, Ralph Macchio, Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, Tom Cruise, Diane Lane, um... Um. Yeah, Sofia Coppola has a little role in it because it was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, so this was his first time working with like a really big director. Was with The Outsiders, mm -hmm. and um, have you ever seen this one? I have seen The Outsiders. Yeah, I, I I remember reading the book when I was in when I was in school, and it's it does seem to be one of those that they just give they just assign to kids now. Like they just say, you're just gonna you're just gonna read this. This is I don't know. This is about you. I have no idea what exactly. There's um, like youths in it, so sure. There, there's young people, but I do remember when I saw the movie, I was like, half of these guys are way too old to be playing these <laughs> roles. Um, particularly, not so much Tom Cruise, but, but definitely like Patrick Swayze and Matt Dillon are just like, you guys are like 25, aren't you? Like, you're not, you're not teenagers. And I know, and they're supposed to be older guys, but they're still supposed to be teenagers. Okay, so here's what's so funny. And I got it. Now I got to find it. So you just keep talking for a minute while I do, because... <laughs> actually have some information on that you're you're probably going to tell me that actually they were all age appropriate or something like that i don't know there there's just um there's some of them seem like people like ralph ralph macchio seem younger i guess and people like patrick space you're just like you are a grown man you and i appreciate that i have no problem with you being a grown man <laughs> um but you are but like that kind of teenage angst and and everything it just doesn't feel natural at some level i that that was just my impression in watching the movie for the first time it's a good it's a good film it's a decent film i think um in a lot of ways it's uh it's so symbolic of that era because you've got all of these guys who either were big stars or were going to become big stars um just sort of jam-packed into this single film it's very like um it's kind of odd to watch you're like they're all young they're all so young they're babies they're not they're not big heroes yet <laughs> i know it's crazy um okay so patrick swayze was 31 uh, okay see yeah. the grown man <laughs> right but he's supposed to be like the older i mean not that much older but yeah he he is he is supposed to be older than everybody but yeah um, well i i think in the book he's supposed to be like it's like the difference between being 15 or, or 16 and 18 and like 19 yeah yeah it, but 31 he does he looks like like i said he looks like a grown man right but here's what's crazy guess who the second oldest person is in that cast is it Tom Cruise? Nope. Oh, uh, Ralph Macchio? Maybe? Yep. <laughs> yeah. He's just so young looking. I know. I think that that's part of it. Is, but yeah. yeah. So he was 22. Um, Tom and Emilio were both 21. Matt Dillon and Rob Lowe were both 19. And then St. Thomas Howell was 17. And so they, uh, they are not as grown up and and man looking as as they i guess like they're they're a little bit 
they're they are definitely older than the characters, but they're not yeah. like not like in their late twenties playing teenagers, like we yeah. still see to this day. <laughs> yeah, some some of it I think is also just about appearance. Like you say, Ralph, Ralph Macchio looks young. He just yeah. does, right? Tom Cruise, especially at that age, he looked young. Um, and he had that sort of, and I'm, I think we'll talk about this in a minute. He had that sort of youthful innocence kind of kind of look to him, the all American boy sort of thing. And whereas some of the others, people like Matt Dillon or Patrick Swayze, you're just like you are, you are men who have seen things. <laughs> like that's what it feels like. Yeah, <laughs> you have lived some life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's two really great ensembles in the, mm-hmm. within his first four movies. He's now worked with Francis Ford Coppola and um, he's going to go on to work with, you know, Scorsese and um, Ridley Scott and all kinds of other people over his career. Um, But yeah, from the outsiders that same year, then he does risky business. And this was really, I would say nobody really, I don't know if anybody would even argue this because they shouldn't because they would be wrong but this is the movie that made him a star this is the one that really put him on the map and uh came out in 1983 he and rebecca de mornay were both kind of still up and coming and then this came out and that was that was really it for him so you saw this for the first time this week lauren I did. Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Risky Business. Well, the thing was, I, so I always, I'd seen obviously the scene, the scene of him dancing in his underwear to, um, to what's, what's his name? Bob Seger. Right. Old time rock and roll. Uh, and I've had that song in my head for the entire week, by the way. Like I keep on going like, ah, no. (laughs) Um, yeah, that like, that's, and it's such it's such an iconic scene and you you kind of know why but the film itself is very odd um and because it feels like the plot you look at the plot and it's like you know this teenage this teenager's parents go out of town for the weekend and through a series of mishaps and kind of peer pressure and everything winds up running a brothel for one night in his house as like okay that's that's like okay so this is like an 80s teen sex comedy kind of thing all right all right i can you know you could do that but there are like sections of it that are incredibly feel very serious and very like oh this is like getting heavy this is like you know he's got issues of guilt and stuff like that and then other sections of it that are more that teen sex comedy thing it's it's just very odd and and watching it i'm like i don't know how i'm supposed to feel about this movie like how am i supposed to feel about these characters particularly like these and it's very like 1980s kind of somewhat regressive um attitudes towards towards sex and women uh which you know i kind of expected but at the same time like i didn't expect this to be like have these like serious sort of floaty music and um and the sensation of like oh he's getting in trouble with a pimp and like they're robbing him and things like that (laughs) um so yeah i have no idea what to make of that movie honestly i think that i enjoyed watching it um definitely enjoyed kind of the whole vibe of it and and definitely enjoyed Cruz himself but some of it I was just like I don't know what am I supposed to be laughing or is this meant to be more serious than that I, I don't know how to feel 
Yeah, it is a strange blend of of tones and a little yeah. bit with um just mood and stuff too. I yeah, you're completely right about that. And and I've seen it many times and I still there are times where I'm I really don't know how to categorize it because um cuz yeah, there are some scenes where it's like it's not just funny, it's like wacky funny. It's just like you know, these kids are like when the car falls into the lake, you know, yeah. it's like, that's hilarious, but also, oh shit, <laughs> like, that's really <laughs> bad. And he's going to be in big trouble, you know? And, um, yeah. And, and all, all the stuff with Guido, the pimp. <laughs> and yeah. It's just, the there, name is Guido. <laughs> there, there are some things that are, that are just like out, played by Joe uh, Pantoliano, yes. right? <laughs> um, and yeah, there's just some stuff that's, that just feels like it comes out of left field mm-hmm. and that it is taken more seriously, I think, than maybe I wanted to take it. I wanted this to be more like, oh, no, this is funny. And it's like, oh, no, this is kind of serious. This is he's got issues. <laughs> yeah. But I think that the reason this is just a guess. I mean, the director only did one other movie, so <laughs> he doesn't, there's not like much to establish a directorial style there, but um, I just, I, I think because this came out early eighties, you know, you really see a shift in um, like economically we were changing. Cause we'd come out of the seventies and, and the mess that that was and into this rise of like, the the you know the wall street thing and and yuppies and 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 all that and so i think that it was i think it was really intentionally trying to kind of be this this combination of both of what you're talking about um i like so i'm i don't know if it's successful or not i like the movie so for me what i really like is seeing this this kid who you see him, he starts off, he's very, you know, buttoned up. He's literally wearing, like, button-down shirts and, like, polo shirts and stuff. He's, his, you know, his shirt's tucked in, and he's very, you know, he's he's uptight. His parents are leaving for multiple days. They just hand him money, and they're like, don't drive our car because you're not insured for that one. Um, but we trust you. Do whatever you think is best with the house. And, like, his parents trust him because he's not a kid who's ever been in trouble or given them any reason to not trust him and so you really see like kind of the first time that he he has this friend who's just like sometimes you got to say what the fuck make your move just do what you want and it's like at 17 years old after this life of being you know perfect quote unquote then he's finally letting you know letting things go a little bit at the worst possible time, because he's also still trying to get into college. And um, so it's it's interesting because it does go on this journey that I think is intentional. I think the mood changes and, and shifts are not because the director didn't know what he was doing. I don't know that it was conveyed as well as it could have been, but I think that the, it was very intentionally multitonal in that way. I can I can see that I I think that one of there's an odd moment and it's after he's um he's got the Princeton interviewer there and one of the things that I actually really liked was that the 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 interviewer shows up <laughs> in the middle of this night where he's like got all of these prostitutes 
in his house with like, and he's taking money from like basically every guy in his class right? Um, who are showing up. And so you've got this big party. And what I actually really liked is that the, the interviewer shows up and he's like, oh, okay, why don't we go in here? Like they go in, like he's just totally cool about it in some way. He doesn't have this moment of panic. At least it's not visible. Right. Um, and I quite liked that because I think the, the expectation is, oh my God, we've got to figure out like a way to hide all of this mm-hmm. while the interviewer is here. But he does it. He's just like, I'm in a business meeting. Like, Yeah. And it's, yeah. And that's where it's like, you can really see where he, where Joel has make, made this yeah. big change because, you know, the week before he would very much have panicked, freaked out, like, you know, tried to stop the guy from coming in or something. And now he's just like, eh, all right. And so then at the end of the movie, when he's finding out his fate about college, he puts on those Ray-Bans and it's just. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. It's I I think it's definitely one of those films that it depends a lot on his star quality. Yeah. And and it's interesting that, you know, this is one of this is really his first leading role. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it is the film that kind of makes him really famous. Uh, because it does, it's, it's all about him. It's about him having this inherent, he's inherently likable, like watching him and just like, I like watching this guy. I enjoy watching him, whatever he's doing on screen. I like that. And he has had that throughout his entire career. And that's a lot of what his movies depend on is the quality of his, not just his performance, but his persona. The fact that, you know, you want to watch him on screen, whatever he happens to be doing, you want to keep on watching him. And that's something that, you know, movie stars, the best movie stars are exactly that. You don't have this visceral reaction to him. You're just like, yes, I want to to see what happens to him, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is exactly what happens in his next really big starring movie. I mean, he did a couple of movies in between, but the next really big one, and this is the one that, sealed the deal on him being a big star and that was top gun uh-huh. which was in 1986 and uh of course even if you haven't seen top gun you know about top gun and um that was really he really took that star power that was so evident in risky business and this is where he really he became global like it was it was one of the biggest movies in the world in 1986 and it's this great action movie. It was like kind of his first real foray into action. Um, and, but it also has this little bit of a love story, but it's also ultimately a story about guys and them. Um, <laughs> That's an understatement. I, I was going to say, it's about, it's about dudes being bros. <laughs> but no, I was going to say like, it's about guys, but it's not in that, like it's, I've seen this movie get written off as, as, you know, promoting toxic masculinity. And I actually think it does the opposite of that in many, many ways. And I think that it's subtly a really, um, a really good movie about men working together, working against each other, um, having to work on a team. And, um, and man, Tom Cruise is so great in that because he goes on such an emotional journey. He's this he starts off this guy who's got a chip on his shoulder for a lot of reasons, some that we come to understand, some that we probably don't ever really get to. Um, and then it goes, you know, he's he's got to prove himself and he's realizing he's not the best, but of course he can't admit that. 
and then he loses his best friend and um and just in a way that really makes him question everything about himself and it's a, it's a great movie and i think that i you know especially with top gun maverick coming out this year like i saw so many things where people were like okay can, so can we now talk about how top gun sucks and i'm just like um no we can't because it doesn't thank you bye yeah no it's it isn't a bad movie at all like anyone who says like oh this is a bad film is just like no i i don't you're wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> um i i definitely think it is very propaganda um it's very much like you know it's very much about the, i mean it's set in the u.s military it's very much about how badass the u.s military is and so i i understand some of the criticisms about toxic not so much about toxic masculinity but a certain type of masculinity that mm-hmm. is being promoted in top gun um and i also have to say it's 1986 yeah uh and this is hardly the the first film the only film in some ways i i think that maybe one of the things that people are bothered by about it is that it is so good and so it's very easy to overlook some of the propaganda aspects because you're having so much fun watching the big planes go vroom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's so well made and you've got these stars, not just not just Tom Cruise, but Val Kilmer um, and, and Kelly McGinnis as being like, you really, en- again, it's that, that movie star quality, you really enjoy watching them. And so it's very easy to kind of ignore or not notice or minimize at least the, the, the propaganda aspects of it. That being said, yeah, I, I think that I, I like the fact that it is, you know, this very sort of gung-ho, bro-y sort of movie. But at the same time, there is that undercurrent of um, of camp almost. I mean, people have talked about, you know, oh, Top Gun is about being gay. <laughs> but but also but more more superficially about like the relationships between all of these different men. And like you say, this this guy learning maybe how to be a little more careful and a little more um and to grow up at a certain level a lot of tom cruise's early films actually seem to be about a a young man growing up and understanding that what he thought masculinity was what he thought maleness was might not be exactly what you know um might not be exactly what is what is desirable yeah that's that's very true one of the things that I, I really appreciate about Top Gun that I think um, gets overlooked in, you know, in this masculinity conversation is a lot of it. And, and yeah, they're all a bunch. Of, I mean, these are a bunch of hot headed pilots. You know, they all have a, a degree of, of um, uh, like they just all have ego on them. And there's even a line where Tom Skerritt says, like, calls that out. And then he says, I like that in a pilot, you know? And so it's like, that's part of the, you know, they have to have this overly developed sense of confidence to do the job that they're there to do. But, but when you've got, um, you know, Maverick is, you know, really taking risks that he shouldn't and doing very dangerous things. It's not just him getting in trouble with his superiors. It's the other guys that call him out. And they're the ones that are, that are trying to tell, especially with Iceman, Val Kilmer, like trying to rein him in and tell him like, this is not okay. What you're doing is just too much. It's too far. You're, you're going to get us killed. And, um, and they use the locker room as the place where all those conversations happen. And it's really about um, these guys kind of 
really they really are forming this band of brotherhood and he's always on the outside until you know until gets to the end and then he helps save the day of course because he gets to but but i just i really appreciate that it's he doesn't learn his lesson just because of of getting in trouble with with the bosses it's you know it's everybody else he's on the outside because he wants to be but they the rest of them are not they're all having a good time even goose who is maverick's best friend he's welcomed in that group of guys they all really like him a lot and so when he dies they're all just like really sad about it they're they're all you know heartbroken too and um and i think it takes that for him to start to realize that they've the, the rest of the guys have been trying to welcome him into the group all along. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to stay on the outside. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So those are the movies that really made Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. And so what I want to talk about next are his, um, the movies that made him Tom Cruise, the award nominee. And uh, he still has not won an Academy award. He has been nominated for three Oscars for acting um that was first with born on the fourth of july then with jerry Maguire, and then finally with magnolia which was now over 20 years ago uh, he has not won he um and in my opinion he should have been nominated for a couple more <laughs> and he definitely should have won at least one of those but i don't get a vote yet so we'll uh, we'll just keep i'll just keep crying about it but anyway um so i want to talk about his oscar movies for a minute um so you saw born on the fourth of july this week as well yes yes um that that is an that's an interesting film you know to kind of pair with top gun actually yeah. um yeah that that's a that's a really interesting movie that's that's one where you know he gives a great performance i think and particularly in the early part of the film that sort of that progression from this sort of gung-ho i'm gonna go fight for for my country kind of thing and and again that that kind of that element of masculinity i'm gonna go prove that i'm a man um and that rhetoric comes up again and again and again throughout particularly throughout about the first hour or so of the film um of and it, it gives you i think a really good visceral understanding of what pushes young men particularly in the vietnam war era to join up right to go and like i'm going to go over there and i'm going to fight and i'm going to i'm going to do what my father did and what my grandfather did etc it's that that element of you know we're going to take boys and turn them into men and then the reality of it hits you um the reality of what vietnam was and the reality of what he has to do in vietnam and the the whole the sort of turning point where um he spoiler alert where he kills another soldier on accident um thinking that you know just basically sees a shadow and fires and is confused he doesn't completely understand what's going on and then realizes that he may have actually killed a fellow soldier and that he gives such a good performance in um in the film and i do think that it kind of it begins to meander with him coming back and particularly after he's out of the hospital and I, I do think that it, it kind of loses its way a little bit, but his performance, again, it's that anchoring performance, that movie star element of, and it isn't just, you know, him obscuring his face or, or changing the way that he looks or anything, but that compelling nature of just him holding the camera 
uh, in a way that very few actors, when you really look at those, the big stars, very few actors are capable of doing that in the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. I definitely agree with you that it, it meanders a bit too much. It definitely starts to uh, drag. It really should be <laughs> at least 45 minutes shorter, I would say. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that they could cut down on, but, but yeah, his performance is so great. Um, and it really, I think, cause I saw this, I think when I was in high school, it came out before I was in high school, but I think I was in high school when I watched it the first time. And I think this was one of the movies, this and platoon, probably apocalypse now were the movies that really made me understand in in a really uh, visceral way the horrors of the Vietnam War and um, I don't know I just I think that he he like you say he's so compelling he really does hold the camera um, no matter what he's going through no matter what he's doing no matter what he looks like you always are just so engaged in him and what he's saying what he's doing and he Ron Kovic is the person that he plays, real life guy. This is based on his autobiography, and um, and I feel like he does such justice to the work that Ron Kovic did in his efforts after the war that um, it really, yeah, it's really a powerful performance. But definitely agree, way too long of a movie. Yeah, it just sort of wanders off at a certain mm -hmm. point where where it's like, okay, he's back, he's struggling. He's got PTSD. He's, you know, not really dealing with it. Um, I, like I say, I do like all of those. It's interesting actually talking about this, how many of Tom Cruise's films are about masculinity um, and are about grappling with what masculinity actually means. But that that sort of element where, you know, he's convinced to go off and to join the Marines and all of that because, you know, you're going to go off and be a man. And then he's injured and, um, and he, you know, he use, he loses the, the use of his lower body. Uh, and, and, you know, he's told he, he's, he can't run anymore. He's never going to have children, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and, and what that means to him, even beyond just the horror of, of being in a war yeah. and because of the culture that surrounds him, I think that the film does a really good job at, um, at focusing on that, but I would have liked a little, let like say a little bit more focus on the second half of the film. Agree. That is definitely a problem that Oliver Stone tends to have. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Starts uh, out really strong and then you're just like, I don't know where you're going with this anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, interestingly enough, Tom Cruise, who was nominated for Best Actor that year, lost to, do you know who he lost to? I don't know. It would be 1989 and he lost to Daniel Day-Lewis for My Left Foot. That's, an, that's interesting. That's an interesting pairing. <laughs> I mean, I did make I did make that joke earlier. Uh, I think earlier this week that um, only Tom Cruise would would play a paraplegic and still manage to get in a running scene. <laughs> of course he would. Like seriously, at least one. I think there are multiple running scenes in that movie. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are a few. So, um, but yeah, so. Um, he, let's see, the other nominees that year were Kenneth Branagh for Henry V, Morgan Freeman for Driving Miss Daisy, and Robin Williams for Dead Poets Society. 
so that is an odd mix actually it really is it really is um it's also weird to me that robin williams was in the lead because i would have put him supporting for that movie but that's just me um anyway but yeah so that was his uh his first oscar nomination his second was in 1996 so several years later and that was for jerry Maguire. this is the one that i really think that uh he should have he should have won that category um he was nominated he lost to jeffrey rush for shine and perfectly good role but just i don't know i don't know i just i think that what tom does in jerry Maguire, that movie is so special it's the one that's had the most staying power out of everything that was nominated that year and of course you don't know that in the moment um but that movie was really special what are your thoughts on jerry Maguire? It's been a long time since I watched Jerry Maguire, but actually thinking about, you know, why, why, both why would he get nominated for this and why would he not win for it? I think it's, I honestly think it's because in a lot of ways it plays, it plays as a romantic comedy in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. It's a much lighter film and very often we don't give awards to, to, to characters that are playing or to actors that are playing comparatively lighter roles you know so in leading performances because also cuba gooding jr did win for supporting actor that year yeah but but and you know maybe there was a little bit more distraction almost that cuba gooding jr got more focused than than tom cruise did i think again there's there's this cruise has a lightness of touch in a lot of ways that he is very like i say he's very present you know that you're watching a tom cruise movie Right. But he's he I want to say he doesn't dominate. He doesn't like he doesn't overawe you with a performance. He simply is. Right. Um, and so and even in something like Born of Born on the Fourth of July, he's got that he's got a similar quality that we almost, I think, underestimate some of his performances because he is so present. And we're not like bowled over by his by his acting ability or anything like that, which isn't saying that he's a bad actor. It's actually saying that he is capable of restraint and and capable of, you know, giving a performance without dominating the screen, even in a leading role. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what's going on with Jerry Maguire. Sorry, go on. No, no, absolutely. And that's actually one of the things that um, I get in so much trouble when I say this, but I do not enjoy watching people like daniel day lewis very much i think that some of his he's a great actor i'm not saying he's bad i'm just saying like i don't enjoy watching him because i feel like his particular style of method acting christian bale does this too um although i i don't know maybe it's movie choices or something i don't know with christian bale i can handle it better but with daniel day lewis i just i i feel frustrated watching him because i feel like he's act he's he's overacting to the point where he's acting more than the rest of the people around him and it becomes I, a big distraction i i get that i like daniel Day-Lewis, but it's it's that like he's acting so hard mm-hmm. it's like it's such a like he's just like do you see me acting you know exactly and yeah and and you don't get you definitely don't get that in like jerry Maguire. you don't have that impression that cruz in most of his films really right. you don't have that impression that cruz is and I think that this is where sometimes he gets he gets kind of written off 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't, you never have this impression that like I am working really hard to show what a good actor I am. Right. He's very, he's very effortless in a lot of ways. And that doesn't all, that very often doesn't translate to awards. It's true. It's very true. And I think that that is where, um, uh, yeah, it's very easy for people to to dismiss what he's actually doing. But when you look at, which most people have not, <laughs> I know I'm a weirdo, but most people have not looked at the sum total of his career, have not seen every movie that he's done. And when you look at the types of roles, because he's played a lot of different types of characters, he's played villains, he's played good guys, he's played people that are somewhere in between, a lot of, of you know, am- <laughs> uh, morally ambiguous people. And when you see the totality of the types of roles he's played and then the types of genres he's been in and stuff, like he really, he, I think effortless is the exact right word because he really does just move right from one type of role into the next and they can be wildly different from each other, but he does it so seamlessly that it's, it's easy to dismiss or, or overlook what he just did before this and what he's going to do after that, you know, and, and it's it's unfortunate and that's where i actually think that like i really thought he would win best actor that year um it was a tough race though because a lot of you know there was a lot going on but the one that really uh the one that really was crazy was in 99 with um magnolia he was nominated for that um for best supporting actor because that was such an ensemble cast and so he was nominated up against um who else was in that michael kane won for the cider house rules which feels so frustrating to me even if it wasn't gonna be tom cruise mm, that uh, michael kane in that movie is just such a like bleh performance it just feels like such a boring academy move <laughs> especially when you look at who else was nominated so you've got michael clark duncan for the green mile you've got jude law for the talented mr ripley and Haley Joel Osment for The Sixth Sense. And it's like, that's actually a pretty cool lineup. My guess is that a couple of people split votes enough, and that's why Michael Caine won. But Tom Cruise, out of that entire lineup, I've seen all of those movies, they're all good performances, but out of that entire lineup, he does something that is so out there and different. Maybe there was a little bit of a sense of, we really don't want to reward this role. <laughs> but um, but it's it's such a it's such a unique role and definitely stands out in this in this group but he plays um frank tj mackey this is uh he worked with paul thomas anderson it's the only paul thomas anderson movie that i actually think is good um yes i said what i said you do not need to yell at me for that um anyway uh but he it's an it's totally on it's not just an ensemble movie it's a um uh and like an anthology type of movie where you've got different characters that aren't even necessarily connected to each other and so you're just kind of going in weaving in and out of different storylines and there is a moment where everybody kind of stops and experiences the same thing together but but um a lot of the characters are not connected to each other at all or if they are it's very loose connection but his, his in particular, uh, he plays this guy who has major issues with his dad. And in some ways, this actually mirrored the experience that, that Tom was experiencing with his own father, where um, 
they had had a huge falling out. They had, you know, had been on the outs for years. And then he, you know, wanted to have this moment to say goodbye when his father was dying. Anyway, uh, so that's kind of what is happening in this movie. But the character that he plays, other than the scenes that he has with his dying father, um, he plays this guy who has built a career out of, like, teaching men how to um, conquer women, basically. And uh, it's such, it's like, it's so gross. He's so, like, Frank is such a horrible, horrible person. And he's all about, like, making women think that they want you and stuff like that. But he's so, like, it's just such a different role for him. And he's so, I can't even describe why I enjoy watching him do this horrible, horrible thing. <laughs> but I do because he's just so captivating. <laughs> I just... Uh I, I mean, I, I empathize in the sense that I have definitely watched movies for actors in which they play horrible characters. They're just like, yeah, but but like, I like him. <laughs> He's the worst, but also I like him. Like, yeah, yeah I, I definitely know that feeling. <laughs> like if Frank T.J. Mackey were a real person and I ever encountered him in real life, I would despise him, even if it was Tom Cruise. Um, I would just like, he is a horrible human being. Um and he doesn't even shy away from that. And but he he just it's because, you know, because of because of Tom playing him and because you do get to see I think that's one of the things I really like about the role is that we are introduced to him in the middle of one of his big like seminars where he's got all these guys that are just wanting to like, you know, sleep with as many women as they can and all that. But you get to see into who he is. And it's not that it's saying, oh, because he had this horrible childhood, because his dad was this terrible person, that that excuses his behavior. It doesn't do that. What it does, though, is kind of illuminate his behavior a little bit. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, he was trying to just do his own thing. He ended up, you know, being awful. But um, But you get to understand that there's... There's like a, a full person there. There's, there's, you know, there's reasons why. And I think we see that in life a lot too, you know, where it's like, there are people who make really horrible choices. They're really horrible to people. And when you know their whole story, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't at all excuse any of the bad behavior that he's done, but it does like contextualize it. And I think that's what's so great about Magnolia. Okay. I'll see that. So. Yeah. But definitely not a movie to watch right now while uh, <laughs> women are being stripped of their constitutional rights. Because, yeah, he's not the character you want to try to empathize <laughs> with right now. Anyway, but that does move us into the 2000s. I know I skipped over a bunch of things. A Few Good Men, Interview with the Vampire. Um, I, I, I'm i blinking on like most of the 90s. Um Days of Thunder is great. He worked with uh, his wife, Nicole, multiple times. Um, Eyes Wide Shut. This is where, yeah, so he, he ended up, he worked with Francis Ford Coppola. He did Legend with Ridley Scott. He worked with Scorsese and did um, um, Color of Money. Color of Money, thank you, mm-hmm. which was the sequel to The Hustler. Um, he did that with Paul Newman. Um, then he worked with Ron Howard. He worked with Rob Reiner. So just lots of, of um, great directors. Sadly, he has still never worked with a female director. Um, but 
But honestly, I think that that doesn't bother me. I was actually thinking about this this morning. It used to really bother me. Now I'm like, he... I'm sure he didn't used to be this way, but now because he produces and not just like puts his name on as executive producer, he actively produces all of his movies and he really runs that set as we know Mm -hmm. from the leaked audio from the COVID thing during Mission Impossible. Um, He really is the one that runs those sets. And I'm like, okay, now if he worked with a female director, he would just run over her. And so I'm okay with him not doing that. So Uh anyway. (laughs) Um, but then he works with big name director Steven Spielberg on Minority Report and I just love Minority Report so much and have you seen it? I feel like I've been talking a lot (laughs) yes I have seen Minority Report Um, uh, it's it's interesting though talking about like you know Cruz's kind of career trajectory as you get into the 90s and then especially into the 2000s you begin to get into more of these i guess big budget films and it's sort of it starts with top gun a little bit but it's really the mission impossibles Mm -hmm. that seem to kind of rocket him more into that kind of the the action star right that we really that we really think of him as now whereas if you look at a lot of his early output in, in the 80s and 90s a lot of it is much not necessarily smaller films, but films that are more personal, that are more individual, that are not like these big kind of explosion-y blockbuster movies. Um, but yeah, I, I, Minority Report, that's that's one that I've seen a couple of times actually. And it's, it's a movie that I always enjoy when I'm watching it and then completely forget about after it's done. <laughs> Um, but it's it's a good performance, and again, that that movie starness of him, and especially at that point, where um, where he is, he has become like Tom Cruise, the action star. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's it's still like he's still very compelling. He's still this very interesting character, um, and and he's enjoyable to watch, even when he's not, you know, jumping out of burning buildings and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing that I think is so great about him and has continued to be great about him throughout um even up until the most recent mission impossible movie and top gun maverick is because he still really is so committed to the experience of the movie all of his his films are there's they're just he takes the time the stories are good some are better than others but the stories are good the the craft of the movies is just really really great and this is where, and I'm not, I'm not trying to like badmouth any other actors, but there are a lot of, of action movie stars that are content to just look like badasses on screen, which is fine. If that's, if that's what they want to do, that's cool. But they'll, they'll sign on to movies where the story sucks or the visual effects are just bad or, you know, they, they're not really necessarily great actors. So the performances are just like, eh, it's all about the action. And for him, it's still about not just like we're going to do this like cool these cool stunts and things which is a big part of it but it's like what movie can we build around these big stunts what movie can we deliver to people um that that really you know gives them this full experience and yeah i i know i was because i think that that's a really good point and you know one of the things that we we talk about now with with Tom Cruise is the degree to which he does his own stunts and that like he's so dedicated to putting himself in mortal danger yeah. 
uh, which has got to terrify the insurers. Um, but but that but like, like you say, it does it gives a different valence, I think, to his action movies because you get this sense that, like you say, that whatever he's doing, he he is actually doing it right. He's actually putting himself in these positions and for our entertainment. And there there is this almost. It's insane at some level because just like you don't need to do that, you know, but like you don't have to. Yeah. Um, but there is a dedication to that. And, to, and like you said, to the, that dedication to entertaining the audience, because that's what the, a lot of these stories come down to. You know, what, whatever you want to say about them. He's always like FBI agents, CIA agents, military, et cetera. But it comes down to like, oh, I'm going to really entertain you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you're going to have a lot of fun watching this. And he's obviously very dedicated to that. You know, it's funny because I actually just remembered. So back in 96, when the first Mission Impossible came out, because he did the first Mission Impossible the same year that he did Jerry Maguire. And I remember he was being interviewed on Kiss FM, Rick D's, And there so they were talking about his new movie mission impossible which had not come out yet but we had seen trailers so we had seen like a glimpse of the the stuff on the train at the end of the movie and so he was describing that stunt and that's really mission the first mission impossible movie was was really the first big action movie where he really was doing these big stunts like he had done some stuff in in other movies but this was like his first big like big stunt movie and he was describing the scene where he's up on the top of the train there on the outside of the train and he's you know fighting with jim and um and something i'm trying to think how something happens and he ends up flipping over so he's like lands flat on his back on the top of the train and um or maybe he doesn't, I don't know. Anyway, he lands some particular way. And as he's describing it, he's talking about the experience of filming that. And he's like, yeah, and then I slammed really hard and it hurt. And so when you see that pain on my face, like, that's real. That really happened. And I was just like, I think, I I think, like, just remembering that conversation now, I think that was probably the moment where he realized, like, I can really do something with this. And that was, like, mm-hmm. you know, and that really changed everything for him. And so it's like, he literally is the one who did the scene on the Burj Khalifa in Dubai uh, in Ghost Protocol. And he really did hang on to the side of a plane in Rogue Nation. Like, he did all this stuff. He mm-hmm. does do all this stuff. And honestly, I'm just going to say he puts every other movie star to shame because <laughs> he does it. And I was laughing so hard. I was at Comic-Con a couple years ago and I was interviewing... Um, the creator of a show on Netflix with, uh, oh, what is the show? The Witcher with Henry Cavill. And she was talking about how he was really gung-ho about doing, making sure that he did all of his own stunts in, in the show. And I was just like, yeah, because he just did Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise. And he doesn't want to be shamed anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, anyway, I just... Um, I, 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 it's, it's, it's really is one of those things that makes his movies that much more compelling because you can see that it's him. You can get those close yeah. of his face. You get the sense that he is going to die making a movie one day and it's going to be horrible. <laughs> and, uh, 
I mean, it seems like that's how he wants to go. Um, like you know, um, like no, I, well, I was watching collateral this week, which I had never seen, which is a, a, a comparatively much quieter film in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there's a scene like in a club and it's a very well choreographed scene and everything. There's one moment where he basically jumps through a window and he just like crashes through and watching it and i i swear to god it was like a a secondary shot or something it looks like he almost collides with the camera Mm -hmm. but you're just like tom cruise just like yeeted himself through that wall like he was just like i'm just gonna go and he like jumps over a table and just crashes through and and you do get that's like i i i honestly don't know i'm assuming that it's him simply because i know that that's like what what he does Mm -hmm. but in watching it it it's just like he just like flung himself through that wall just like because because that's what his character would do exactly yeah exactly and it's 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 so great um he also did edge of tomorrow which is another really good action movie sci-fi movie have you seen that one with Emily Blunt. Uh, I have not seen that one. That's one that has escaped me. I'm, I've actually managed to miss, other than the Mission Impossible films, I have not seen, a, I've realized I've not seen a lot of the later Tom Cruise. Oh, man. A lot of my experience of Tom Cruise is from the 80s and 90s, it seems. Which, I mean, that's great Tom Cruise, but you're missing out on some gems. But I would definitely say, um, um, yeah, Edge of Tomorrow is a great one. I think that Oblivion is a very underrated movie. Also sci-fi. came out really close to Edge of Tomorrow, which I think is part of what hurt it. It also came out after Rock of Ages, which is, again, with the he gives a really good performance. He is really good in that movie, but that movie is not good. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, I also think that Night and Day is a really fun... It's so silly, but it's such a fun movie. I love Cameron Diaz in that. Um, That's a good one, too. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of an overview of his his most recent... Of course, he... Like, people have kind of said he's done. He's never trying to get an Oscar again. I think most actors are not actually trying to get Oscars. If something goes mm-hmm. along, I mean, the chances of getting nominated are so infinitesimally small that that's not their primary motivation for signing on to a role. Um, but I do think that with with some films that he's done recently, like he did American Made um, in 2017, he at one point was in talks to be in, I'm glad that this didn't happen, but he was in talks to be in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Quentin Tarantino. So it's like, to me, that shows, not that he's chasing an Oscar, but it shows that he is still interested in films that are primarily acting and not just mm-hmm. action. So, yeah. yeah, a lot of his more recent output has been action, um, but it's... It would be nice to see him in, like I say, some of those not not smaller roles, but more personal, more individual roles that isn't just about, you know, jumping out of a helicopter or something. Right. Yeah. So the last thing I just wanted to to talk about a little bit uh, as far as his filmography is um, his his occasional cameos. Some are more defined than others. So the first one that he gets credited for, this is the one that's still in dispute. Like, I guess a lot of people on set say it's him, but he has never confirmed it. And that is that he apparently had a very, very tiny uh, cameo in the movie Young Guns. Really? Yeah. Which, on the one hand, I mean, it makes sense. He had worked with Emilio. He was 
you know, a little bit of that Brat Pack group and stuff. And so it's like the story is that he was near the set filming something else. And um, they just were like, hey, Tom, why don't you put this on and just, you know, go fall off that roof. And so supposedly that's what he did. Um, But again, he's never confirmed it. So I don't know. I'm skeptical, but. Um, yeah. And then he did have an appearance in Austin Powers in Goldmember, which was, I think, the third Austin Powers movie. Yes. Yes. I remember him in that. <laughs> I did not know that he was going to be in it. I had not heard this. And uh, I was watching the movie and then all of a sudden it's Tom Cruise. And I was like, hey, and that was great. That was so funny. But of course, his best one, his most noteworthy one is as producer Les Grossman in <laughs> Tropic Thunder. <laughs> and he's just so good in that. Like he he that's a perf- again, that's a performance. Yes, like that's not just a cameo. It's just like oh it's it's Tom Cruise playing this character. It's like no no no. That is he gives it his all. Like that is a performance in that movie. He goes in with the prosthetics. Yeah. The makeup is incredible and yeah, like he it's i mean we talked about this before but like i was with some friends i was watching it i did not know he was gonna be in it nobody did they kept that such a secret and it's he comes on the screen and i heard his voice and he to me he has such a recognizable voice instantly that i was just like oh my god that's tom cruise and my friend was like no it is not i'm like yes it is (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah so it's that it's um I totally get why Robert Downey Jr. was the one that everyone, you know, called out and and praised for that movie um, for reasons that are problematic and not, and um, also misunderstood. But uh, I think my by far my favorite performance in that is Tom Cruise because it's so unlike anything we've seen from him. And it's so uh-huh. funny and it's just so out there. And yeah, it's great. Yes. Yeah. No, I, he, he's in a lot of ways, he's actually more memorable than pretty much anything else in the yeah, movie. When you talk yeah. about Tropic Thunder, you're just like, yeah, but Tom Cruise as the producer, just like, yeah, totally. Like, I mean, just Google Tropic Thunder memes or Tropic Thunder gifts, and most of the ones you're going to get, at least the top results, are going to be Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a very memorable part, definitely. <laughs> it really is. So, um, I did, we did have one other question that is from Connor. He wanted to know, what advice do you have for people who say Tom Cruise just plays himself in everything? It's patently false and I don't know how to make that clear to the haters. Uh, well, my advice is tell them to fucking watch his movies because they clearly haven't. But I, I do think that there are a lot of people who primarily know him from things like Mission Impossible, Top Gun, um which in Mission Impossible he literally does play the same character. He plays Ethan yeah. Hunt in seven movies. Yeah, and and that's also that's that's in the point of like his they they were talking about his more action movie phase where he's playing he is sort of playing the Tom Cruise star persona right at that point, um, but that's not to say that that's what he plays consistently throughout his career or that even he's playing this you know he's playing himself in Top Gun or he's playing himself in Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's playing similar characters and he's kind of being cast as similar characters. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, honestly, what I would say is for people who, who think that they really do need to go in and watch a lot of the movies that we've talked about today, watch Born on the 4th of July, 
Watch mm-hmm. A Few Good Men. Watch um, Magnolia. Uh, just really go in and, and see these films where they're not the character that you're used to seeing. And they're not necessarily the big action-heavy movies. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I have a final question for you. Yes. What is your favorite Tom Cruise movie? Ooh, that's a hard question. It is, I know. Um... <laughs> I really like A Few Good Men and uh, we didn't we didn't talk about this one but I just it's such a it it's one of those films that's just really solid it's got really solid performances he's really good to me Moore is great Jack Nicholson like it it has it's compelling it's fun to watch um it's it's serious but it isn't like it, it doesn't drag you down it's a very like solidly made film and a really well-made film and everything. I also, I do love the Mission Impossible movies. Like I, I absolutely did watching, watching him. Uh, I, I get them confused after about Mission Impossible three. I'm like, I don't know what the order is anymore. And I don't know what happens in what movie, <laughs> but I love them. Like it's the, again, so much fun to watch. And I do think that a lot of that is because of him. And um, because, you know, he anchors them. Again, he makes you care about that character who could be very one note, but, he, you know, I actually care about what happens to this dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and even in their dumbest versions, like Mission Impossible 2 is dumb in a lot of ways. <laughs> but it's also like a, a, a low-key remake of Notorious. Um, but but it's fun to watch. Like, it's it's that that fun aspect of like, I'm going to enjoy, you know, the doves and the explosions, Tom Cruise beating the shit out of people. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, and, and like, just to your point about like, you care about this character. Mm -hmm. I, you know, when, um, um, oh my gosh, Michelle Monaghan, um, Julia, who he marries in the end of mission impossible three when she shows back up at the end of four and just get you, they don't talk, they don't interact, but they, you see her and you know, like, okay, Julia's still alive. She's all right. And then in fallout, which is six, when you actually get to see her and they get to to run the, like I mean it's it's like a scary thing because there's a nuclear bomb in the town that she's working on, um, but they she's there and you get to see like she's doing okay like they're okay and and he's okay because he knows that she is and it's just like oh okay I like this and so it, it really does without giving like we still don't know anything about his family we know he has a mom or it did because she got arrested in the first one (laughs) when they were trying to get him but we don't really know anything about his life we don't know anything about about Ethan's like childhood or anything um but we get just enough glimpses that we care about him as a person we know that there is a life even if we don't know what it is yeah, I like that he's not James Bond, that there isn't like he isn't just sort of a American James Bond fair figure. He's very like he's, he's very faithful. He's very he's very like, you know, this is I you know, he he has a family life. He has a past, et cetera. He um, he cares about people in a way that I think that James Bond uh, is never represented as caring. And so it doesn't feel like that this is just kind of a carbon copy where we're going to have an American version of this story. Um, he's actually giving more depth to, to you know, what's a pretty basic character. And the point of the Mission Impossible movies is not really him, his, you know, personal life or anything like that. But um but you still get, like you say, glimpses into it. 
And and it does build the character a little bit better than just being this one note, which he could have been. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I just have to say too, <laughs> I don't know if you've watched the James Corden um, video that is on YouTube. It's uh, it's one that he just did a, recently for Top Gun Maverick, and they go out like on the planes and stuff. And so they're having, um, like, they're doing this overnight. And so there's this this scene where James and Tom are doing this like camp like cookout or whatever they have like a campfire going and they're telling stories over the campfire it's so the whole video it's like 15 minutes it's so funny um this is what he does now instead of sitting down for actual interviews but um but it's so funny and so they're talking about like his movies and he says something about mission impossible and (laughs) and this was so great because people make this joke all the time and hearing him talk about it was hilarious but he goes I mean it wasn't impossible because I did it six <laughs> times <laughs> oh just it made me happy and I think that's one of the things I love is that he never comes across he's he definitely takes the work seriously but he doesn't take himself too seriously he's not afraid to laugh at himself to let mm-hmm. himself you know be you know that and that's why movies like T- Tropic Thunder work so well because he's not afraid to just be funny and and yeah the series. so anyway so those are a few of the reasons why I love Tom Cruise and why he's the best and I hope that I have sufficiently answered your question and um yeah well Karen what is your favorite Tom Cruise movie I really re- I mean I love so many of them, but my <laughs> very, very favorite, the one that I have watched more than any other, is Jerry Maguire. Okay. I love that movie. It's a great film. It really is. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. So thank you for letting us talk about Tom Cruise. I thank you for letting me talk about Tom Cruise today, Lauren. This has been a lot of fun. I have been waiting so long. I'm so glad. <laughs> and I'm so happy. I feel like wish fulfilled. Anyway, um, five years in the making five years in the making well we will talk about tom cruise again i have no doubt yes yes we will (laughs) um yeah so do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up not really i think that this is this is the last episode before we we both go on a, a couple weeks of vacation so um i hope that everyone watches more movies a lot of the films that we talked about are available to stream in various places so mm-hmm. like and they're they're worth it especially some of the ones like i say most of the ones that i've watched this week have been films i hadn't seen and um it was they they're good movies born on the fourth of july is a very good film uh collateral is fantastic like i really loved collateral um, which is on HBO Max. You can stream on HBO Max. There's like so, six of his movies on HBO Max right now. Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah, um, Ris- Risky Business is on there as well. Um, Top Gun is everywhere. Like, you can yeah. watch Top Gun, I think, on Netflix. Uh, Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all the Mission Impossibles are available on different streaming services too. So, But also, really, if you just want to see a Tom Cruise movie and you can't find it, just come over to my house because I probably <laughs> have it. <laughs> Just ask Karen. She'll get, she'll hook you up. (laughs) Yep. I have been in the room with Tom Cruise one time. I have not met him, but I was there in 2019 when he introduced the first trailer for Top Gun Maverick and Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con. So I've seen him in the flesh with my own two eyeballs. Um, One day, one day I will meet him. I will interview him. 
and it's going to be great. And I will be able to handle it. People think I can't, but I will be able to handle it. You're just going to like walk into them at Starbucks or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to have to be by accident because I'm pretty sure I'm on a list um, and will not be permitted to just have an arranged meeting with him at some point. (laughs) I won't go any further than that. I think people can pick up what I'm putting down. (laughs) I'm a suppressive person, I'm sure. Anyway. Um... Yeah, so, all right. Well, yeah, this is going to be our longest hiatus in ever? A while, yeah, definitely. We're going to take a couple of weeks off. Yeah, we're basically, yeah, just going to enjoy some life. So you guys do that too. Uh, Make sure to go back and listen to episodes you might have missed. Listen to some of our bonus episodes too. And and, um, and, uh, maybe, I know we won't have time before. Anyway, well, maybe we'll do a bonus episode later this month. We'll see um it's been a while anyway um but yeah thank you so much for for listening thank you for supporting the show we especially want to thank our patrons who help make this possible they are adriana ali brian connor estefania heather james kathleen cariata mason matt michelle monty danina robert robert steve sharon tau and will and if you would like to join them you can be a subscriber yourself patreon.com slash citizen dame we do also have our Zazzle store, Zazzle.com slash Citizen Dame pod and Ko-Fi, co-fi.com slash Citizen Dame. If you would like to see our written work, uh, that is CitizenDamePod.com. And uh, you can send our, send your emails to CitizenDamePod at gmail.com. You can also find us on the social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at CitizenDamePod. And letterboxed at Citizen Dame, where I'm going to have a top 10 Tom Cruise movies for your, well, not top 10, but like my 10 most recommended. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, where can people find you? I am on Twitter, Instagram, and letterboxed at LH Business. And I am on Twitter, Instagram, and letterboxed at Karen M. Peterson. So that's it. Enjoy your next couple of weeks, Lauren. Enjoy your next couple of weeks, listeners. And we will catch you in July. Bye. Yeah, so I looked around. I saw everyone's drinking cocktails or making cocktails. So I said, let's let's call the movie Cocktail. (laughs) It's ironic. It's in the movie Mission Impossible mission turned out to be possible. <laughs> then I did it. Right. And the same is it's true for all the sequels. <laughs> Suddenly worried that will attract some kind of wolf. This is us tomorrow. Ah, eject! Eject! James, take your sweet belt Eject! You go out. Yeah, let's, let's see, that isn't a funny joke. We were having a great time then, and you've ruined it. Tom? Yes, James? If you kill me tomorrow, I'll haunt you for the rest of your life. James? Yep. If I kill you tomorrow, I'll be dead too. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. I love you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you.